I'm David Remnick, and each week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, my colleagues and I unpack what's happening in a very complicated world. You'll hear from the New Yorker's award-winning reporters and thinkers, Jelani Cobb on race and justice, Jill Lepore on American history, Vincent Cunningham and Gia Tolentino on culture, Bill McKibben on climate change, and many more. To get the context behind events in the news, listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Seen on Radio is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hey, it's John Bewin. This is Seen on Radio. As I said last time, we're here in this hiatus after season five, which, by the way, you've listened, right? Our climate season? If not, please do. It builds on the previous seasons, on white supremacy and patriarchy and democracy, while examining the biggest of our multiple urgent crises. During our break this summer, we're doing a little mini-season of rebroadcasts, reposting a few of my favorite things, including some episodes from the early days of the show that most of y'all haven't heard. This is another episode from that era, pre-Seeing White, early 2016. Alex Bobic was born in Bosnia. They're now just down the road. I'm in Durham. Alex lives in Greensboro, North Carolina. Alex came over to the Center for Documentary Studies in the summer of 2015 for our advanced audio boot camp course, Making It Sing. That week, they made a version of this piece about their friend, Layla Noor. It's part profile, part tribute. Really, it's a heartfelt audio love letter. In Alex's words, it's the story of a white immigrant troublemaker from Eastern Europe, a black revolutionary musician from New York City, and how one of them saves the other. There is some adult language in the piece, F-words and so on, just in case you need to know that. In 1991, I was in the first grade in Sarajevo, Bosnia. Midway through the year, my parents pulled me out of school because suddenly Bosnia was in the midst of a civil war. Soon after that, I was wounded by seven shrapnel from a grenade that landed in front of my house. So my mother and I spent the next four years living in an underground bomb shelter in our neighborhood. I bet your neighborhood doesn't have one of those. After escaping the war, my parents and I came to the United States as refugees. I went to public school, got kicked out of the English as second language program because I talked too much. And still, somehow I made it to college. In those days, I was so depressed that I slept until I had to go to class. And after class, I would go right back to sleep. I hardly did anything else. You get the idea. But then I joined a radical drum corps and made lots of great friends. There were many ups and downs in those days. And so one day while I practiced, I look across the train tracks from our gravel parking lot and there was Layla. And I saw Cackalack Thunder playing drums and being radical and sexy. And I was just like, oh my God, who are these like really hot, grungy looking gay people? Like, you know, these homos. And then the first person that opened their goddamn mouth to me is Alex. Don't be scared. Act like a ghetto black woman. Come on, come over here. We're fine. No, come over here. We're fine. Come on over. And I was just kind of like, oh, shit. 
It's symbolic that Layla and I first met across the train tracks. On paper, we're very different. But in reality, at least I'd like to think, we are very fond of each other. Look, I think you're an asshole. And I was like, oh my god, I think you're an asshole, okay. This banter does something for the both of us. Like, it was healing. Fucking genuine communication was just healing. And it was beautiful. Though just in case it's unclear, this is how Layla really feels about me. And then I've loved you ever since. You're my favorite. Let's hear that again. You're my favorite. You're my favorite white person. I was thinking about that also recently when I was like, I'm not going to be having white people all up in my like most intimate, my most safe space. And then I was like, besides Alex, you know. For you to understand how I became Layla's favorite white person, let's start with who she is. Yeah. Layla was raised in Brooklyn, New York, in a large Muslim family. I'm one of like 22, 23 kids in total. My mother has nine. Um, so, you know, I was raised on that, that government cheese and food stamps. With her early interest in music, Layla composed nasheeds, which are Islamic chants or songs for her brothers and sisters. And so I wrote this little like hip hop jam on the keyboard, you know, they have like little beats and stuff. And so it's like, it's like one of those things. And so me and my little brothers and sisters, we used to rap it all the time and stuff. And they thought I was cool. They were like, you're going to be like a hip hop artist doing hip hop nasheeds. It's going to be so cool. And then they were like, oh, actually, you're a woman, so you can't do that shit. Another level of my conflict. And so then I started playing guitar. And then I started to like really acknowledge like the power of music um, by realizing like the different artists or the different songs that really helped to like heal me through a lot of like depression, you know, thoughts of like suicide. It was only like music and nasheeds that really brought me through. And so I decided to like use my music as a way to like heal myself which in turn I realized was, was helping and healing people. This healing is definitely something that resonated with me. I've been in Layla's audience since her first show five years ago. I continue listening to her music because she openly deals with so many difficult emotions. Yeah, my music releases like my most like darkest and angry um, and unloved emotions, but in this way that feels very, very good. Like. I have a song called My Dear America, which sounds like a very like un-American, super hateful fucking song, but it's actually just like a really sweet love song about my experience growing up Muslim, growing up black, um, and how I felt like I was always the other. You, you started the fight first. My dear America, I was in love with you. You broke my heart and now we're fucking through. Layla says so many things that I'm afraid to say. She writes about the very things that keep me awake at night. Like this. You lift me up, you broke me down, and then you lock me up. Then you blame it on somebody else. And so I played this song actually with like a lot of um, a lot of fear, even though it felt really good to say those words and get them out. 
Um, and then like gradually folks would tell me how much that song, you know, meant to them that like finally um, there was something that explained what it was they were experiencing also in America. Well, my mama told me to be on top. You must stand on others with a ruthless heart. And you've always been I spent so many years avoiding my emotions. And here was Layla in my face with the truth at every single show. A perfect example of this is Layla's song, Palestine. Well, hello girl, what's your name? I love your curves and your pretty face, but I heard that you And at one show, instead of singing the word Palestine, Layla sang, My Pretty Bosnia. And I just lost it. My pretty And I'm not the only one that cried at her shows. But before I get to that story, it's important to say that Layla's family has not supported her in a substantial way since she came out to them as a lesbian. Um, gradually, between the ages of like 15 to 17, 18, I came out of the closet. And it was like very a very crazy time period. Um, after that, my family was just straight up just like, absolute rejection. No, you gotta leave. This is crazy. It's gross. It's a disease. It's blasphemous. How can we help you? How can we save you? You know, all those different, there were all those different processes. And so for a long time, I fought for my family's acceptance. And although that acceptance has not come, even her family was moved by her music. My mother and my stepmother, Khadijah, they came to my show. This is the, this is the first and only show any of my family has ever come to. Up walks my mother, Muslim woman, covered head to toe. My stepmother also the same. I was already nervous now, I'm like shitting bricks. And I remember during one of the songs about children being mistreated, people holding on to their prejudices so much that they would rather see a person die than to like change their mind. Um, and I remember singing that song and seeing my mother and my stepmother crying. Since then, Layla wrote a very personal song called Umi, which means mother in Arabic. I realized that like all throughout my life, I was feeling very happy, I was feeling very healed, and that the darkest and most hurtful, most broken parts of my identity were all connected to my family and their treatment and their like fucking stagnation when it came to being able to get past me being gay and just love me for who I was. And so um, it actually probably wasn't until like two years ago. I felt like the best thing for me to do as a person to be able to like grow and heal and move on and, and find intentional and consensual family was to let go of that baggage, that homophobic shit that I grew up in. Well, don't you know I'm a hero 
Layla doesn't dwell in her struggle. I'm in awe of her ability to take something so painful and constantly create something beautiful out of it. One of the ways that she creates is by building intentional family in her work as a union organizer with fast food workers and domestic workers and by connecting with others in the movement for black lives. I met um, folks who do the um, Billion billion Hoodies March, which was something that came out after Trayvon, Alicia Garza and like her sisters, folks who have been like really instrumental in creating and continuing to push Black Lives Matter as like a social issue. I met like a few Black Panthers. I met the family of Eric Garner and Mike Brown and Emmett Till and Fannie Lou Hamer and Tamir Rice. Layla honors these many struggles and legacies of resistance in her song titled, Up. Let it be light like a shattered sun Let it fall down to pieces Let those rays strike everyone Trying to start a revolution We go to them with our problems They ain't got no solution There's only one thing left to do it's time to wake up, up, up. Cause here they come. They all got guns and maybe you got guns. Whether pushing in the streets or working at fast food. Best believe that's what they want you to do. You protest in peace and they will mace you in your face. Stick a flower in it, rifle, they fire it anyway. You organize the streets and they might blow you to your grave. But every fighter in their grave is brought as closer to change. Regardless of what they say, voting every eight years won't do it. They make us empty promises, we tried to hold them to it. You miss a house payment, boy, they gonna hold you to it. They will show up to your home and show you you could lose it all. But when's it She says, they will show up to your home and show you you could lose it all. And I nearly did lose it all. My best childhood friend was killed in front of her mother and sister. My childhood home was seized and eventually turned into a hotel. These are all seemingly different experiences than Layla's, but I think that we see a lot of ourselves in each other's struggle. We've both been through poverty and violence and deaths of people that we love. Well, when's it a turn? Take back that shit that they know they ain't earned. Take back that White House our money pay for when they raise the price of food, then refuse to pay us more. Damn. So now we starving in the streets. They flying private jets just to find something to eat. No child left behind, so they drag them by their feet. And when we try to free them, living with post-traumatic stress disorder has often made me feel like I live in my own world, and no one else understands what it's like to live there. But Layla does. She says the things that I'm thinking, but I'm sometimes too afraid to say. Like, when we try to free their mind, they sick their police on us. She says what I'm thinking in response to yet another shooting, yet another incident of police violence. In response to my own memories, the world feels less lonely with Layla because she always sees a way out. They ain't got no solutions. There's only one thing left to do. It's time to try love, love, love. love for thy neighbor, love, love for thy hater, love, love for the kids. They this message of mobilization also extends to kids. Layla's social justice anthems for young people include a song called Boy. Boy uplifts transgender identity and makes topics of gender identity accessible to kids. Well, you see, I can see exactly what you think is gender bending life is too confusing. Well, I still long for and I still love water 
son before I was your daughter But I'm, I'm exactly the same Feel my heart and love me Although a lot of our friendship is focused on our individual and collective struggles, I just want to be clear that Layla and I mostly laugh together. I love it. I love that our jokes make people uncomfortable. I love that people are just like, I do not know how to deal with this shit. I love that our friendship is so sweet. I love that we're so sweet on each other. Um, I love how intimidating it is for other people. I love how affectionate we are. I love that we're both like badass artists. I love it too, Layla. And I respect you and your art so much. Our friendship fulfills my longing to be understood, to feel less alone, to feel whole. I love you. Now I feel like I'm becoming more firmly just a radical black queer woman. And that feels really fucking good. Now I've been waiting on you. Layla Noor, in that piece produced by Alex Bobbage. Layla is now part of a band called The Muslims, who signed a record deal in 2021 with Epitaph Records. Alex is an assistant professor of public health at Guilford College, where, Alex tells me, they now teach their students to produce audio documentaries and podcasts as a form of public health education. <laughs> Love that. Props again to Shay Shackelford, audio producer and editor who worked with Alex on their piece during our course back in the day at CDS. Watch this space, more coming in our mini-season of rebroadcasts. Seen on Radio comes from the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University. Well, now I've been holding my breath When I look deep in